everybody, and welcome to the Instant Speed Podcast, sponsored by BCW Supplies, the best way to protect that deck. Go to bcwsupplies.com and use the code ISP10 to get 10% off your order and support the show. In response this week, we're going to throw you a little bit of a curveball as me, the Tan and Grace, will be feeling the role of the second best broadcast host. Second best? Okay. Second best broadcast host in flesh and blood. Today, I'll be talking to Flake about the big news from the past few days. Baseball's back! Wait, I think that's not the, the big news. It's actually the big news is that if we have time, we're going to discuss the miracle of him taking home a gold foil this weekend, as well as another top eight finish in one of those PQs. Most importantly, though, we'll be opening that sealed envelope to reveal the spoils of those efforts. Mm-hmm. Flake, are you ready for well, a response? I am ready for in response, and that was a very good. I, I see that you've got your best Flake cosplay going on. You've got the hat. Now, does the I shirt match? it together. It, it, it's a work in progress. Okay, because uh, if uh, I just want to see, because you mentioned that, yeah, I see a little peak of the Star Wars shirt going on, so you are definitely playing the role. We like it. Uh, the hat, and uh, that's it. I mean, if ever there was a, a situation out there where someone wanted to go to an event that I was attending and wanted to cosplay as me, uh, thick Drew Carey-esque glasses, hat. I didn't have any. I, I definitely should have looked for something. In fact, hold on one second. Okay. Um the hat is a key element, absolutely. Oh, we definitely we definitely messed up a little bit here because I have the blue light glasses. Here we go. Oh, okay, sweet. This is yeah. a little more perfect. Yeah, you gotta I can't look see a thing, just so you know. <laughs> you gotta look like one of the Dudley boys when you're when you're mm. wearing it. So you gotta have these on, the, the, the Drew Carey originals, and then you gotta have a usually a nerd related t shirt, either Star Wars or Marvel or something along those lines. And then basically you've got it set, buddy. So I think I nailed it. Oh no, definitely. You're you're definitely on pace there. So yeah, um, I look like a, a tall, generic, skinny white dude. So like it just works. <laughs> that's, that's my mo. That's my that's <laughs> my hero class in, in in flesh and blood. Skinny white nerd boy. That's pretty much me. Well, speaking of your hero class and in flesh and blood, what was the hero that you actually used to uh, make these multiple top eights of these pro quests recently? Just proving once and for all something that no one believed and that casters can actually play the game it's a miracle right like the fact that I casters know, right? can actually play this i was supposed to say i i even made one of the only one that i played uh craig crumples actually won uh, a pro quest yesterday so i mean we've got some talent in the booth apparently we should be playing the game you showed them how to do it oh i've always said like you know like in, in the podcast sometimes i ask people would you rather like i asked you i think would you rather win or broadcast the finals and to me it's kind of like I would much rather broadcast the finals because winning, I mean, playing in the finals doesn't necessarily guarantee you win and the glory and whatever. But, uh, yeah, the deck that I played this weekend, I basically said, all right, um, winning ProQuest, there's no points for style. It's all, it's basically all amplitude, no style points, you know. So I just took the rocket ship to the moon. I jumped on the Starvo train and got myself there. And um, on the Saturday, we, we, we got this bad boy using, using the, that uh, that easy pass essentially. It's like going to Disney World and getting the fast pass. Like yeah, y- you pay a lot more, um, but but it's worth it. Oh, definitely. It's like easy top eight basically. So that's uh, that's what that was. Is we got there and there was some pretty uh, pretty heavy hitters there. So um, I was quite quite uh, I don't want to say surprised at how I was doing because in reality I put in a lot of work in practice, but I also had never t- played the deck in paper. So, you know, there's kind of like that weird feel of actually seeing the cards in your hand versus playing it on TTS mm-hmm. or something. So it was a Starvo list. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I, you know, uh, it was, there was Broke no the hocus, yeah, yeah, no hocus, hocus pocus involved. It was just straight shot right to the moon. 
Yeah, we'll talk about that prep and the testing in just one minute, but I did actually want to harp on something that you said there. You know, you're talking about how there's heavy hitters, uh, you know, because for people who might not know, you're you're in Canada, right? Uh, what What's the name of the city you're actually in? I am in Toronto. I am born no, and I thought you were in, in like Montreal. a suburb. Uh, okay. I'm in, uh, the suburb The suburb I'm in is in Mississauga, technically. It's right. part of the quote-unquote greater Toronto area, the GTA. So I say Toronto because it's just more recognizable right. to people that I meet. But yeah, it's it's all within the same sort of family. Yeah, now me and some other people were talking about this. We think that you might have participated in some of, if not the hardest uh, ProQuest in the entire, at least North American area. Uh, the top end of those events, when you look at the players that are in them, are absurdly dense. You know, there's tons of uh, ProQuest wins, uh, ProQuest top eights, not to mention calling wins, calling top eights, calling finalists. Um, you know, players that have extensive resumes in other games as well. How does it feel to be able to, you know, test your metal, not only against that kind of field, but actually put up some solid results as well? So this is this is the really the most fascinating element to this is that the fact that you know when we're all chatting in the Discord that doesn't exist there it was, doesn't exist that doesn't exist there, we there were, is no Discord <laughs> we I I'm I never played Magic competitively right so I was never part of that scene so a lot of these names that are now kind of transitioning over to Flesh and Blood or who play both let's say when I would talk to you guys who have this extensive history in competitive Magic and I mention some of the players that I'm playing with or players that I've beaten, you you guys are like, you beat so-and-so? And they're like, do you realize who that is? And I, I'm embarrassed to say that no, I don't, because I don't have any history within the game where these players made a name for themselves. You know, like, uh, big players like Dave Rude or big players like Isaac Krut and, like, these other champions and whatnot, like, I do not, I, I, I unfortunately do not know them. I've met them through Flesh and Blood, so I know them as being excellent Flesh and Blood players, but I don't know that they come with this resume that they did, and when I top aided at Harry Tarantula, that uh, a lot of people had considered to be one of the, like you mentioned, you had to explain it to me and be like, listen, the, the, the list of players that are there is huge, and that was a nice little kick in the pants to say that, listen, you top aided Harry Tarantula on Prism, like that's a big feat, As you put in the work and it was great, and some of the others that I had attended and played in and performed well at, like you mentioned, it was... Um, Eye-opening to me as I started to get more acclimated to the community and re recognize a lot of these names, you guys were very adamant to uh, to just sort of drive it home that like, you know, no, you're performing well against very good players and that's something that you should be proud of and that was something that I've always struggled with. So, um, but still, it's something that I still struggle with a little bit now. But after this weekend, I think a lot of those concerns and uh, anxieties have sort of just been put to rest a little bit, at least until maybe I get walloped in Indianapolis. I don't know. But still, that's where I'm at right now. So let's talk about those concerns for one second, because this is something that I've definitely struggled with in my life when it comes to, you know, being on the competitive side, being in the booth uh, when it comes to some of these big games and the big opportunities that I've had. And uh, a lot of us call this imposter syndrome, you know, where you feel like, I don't belong. I shouldn't be here. Even when you're winning, you almost feel apologetic about it. I know that you've struggled with this in your life and you've told us this before. You've like apologized for winning before in your life. And is that something that you still struggle with or do you find yourself getting better with it? You know, is, it, is that an everyday kind of thing for you? It's definitely an everyday kind of thing to be. And now I've always been now. I've So I've been brought I've been on um Gwent's like official casting team for their major series for four years now, um, you know, almost four full years. And part of what I do, I know that it's a very coveted job. It's a very coveted position that I have had for a while. 
And I don't take that lightly. So for myself, I have always wanted to perform well on ladder, understand the meta, because I owe it to the people who are watching for me to be on top of my game, that that the 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 level of content and the level of broadcast that I'm bringing to people, the lines that I'm seeing. Now, if I was a world champion, obviously I wouldn't be broadcasting. I'd be at the final table, obviously. But I have to get into that top percentile of players in order to be able to understand the lines and see what's going on 95% of the time, 99% of the time. You understand this as well. You put in the work. You totally know what this is like. However, at the same time, I have never considered myself a competitive player. In Gwent, I had, whenever there was a tournament, a major tournament, I'd always make it my mission to be within the top two or 300 players in the world so that when those tournaments are occurring, I know what's going on. I, I put in that work. I owe it to the viewers to to bring them this level of insight that they can then digest. And because a lot of the players who are watching this are also on very high levels. So I need to be able to appeal to the average player but also give this the tidbits of information and and draw and like sort of leave the bread crumb, uh, breadcrumbs for the high level players to sort of follow along the path and enjoy it as well it's not easy but what i can do is just be the best player i am and the imposter syndrome comes in when that work that you put in translates to tournament wins where you're like geez i'd never thought that this could actually happen i just play on ladder i just play cat like quote-unquote casual on rank like i don't care about my results as long as i'm learning the meta and can bring a better product on the broadcast so when i'm winning these games when you say apologetic yeah it, I, I have in fact apologized for winning before where i i have beaten really good players in who are you know in like for instance as a, as an example i felt pretty bad when i beat a player in the semifinals to get to the finals uh at the at the proquest where i got this because that player is an exceptional player and absolutely and you had to say like dude this guy almost never loses and i i beat this player and the player was freaking amazing and to me when that happens i'm like i you feel bad because you're taking an opportunity away from somebody else who is put in the work and you feel like it's almost a fluke but and it's and i have encountered players who really like to rub the salt in when they lose to tell you that you got lucky to tell you that you don't deserve it so you kind of let that creep in sometimes but those players that tell you that you got lucky like i look back on my record against them i'm like well, i get lucky against you a lot, a lot. A yeah. lot. So, <laughs> Am I just the luckiest person on the planet, or I, is it something else? That's it. I'm like, yeah. wow, I lucked myself into a gold foil. I lucked myself into another top eight. Like, wow, I must be really lucky and stuff like that. So that kind of salt really doesn't uh, – it doesn't affect me as much as it used to because – and, and I, I owe a lot of that to the support that I get from you guys and, like, you know, the community and my, my closer personal friends that in the Discord that doesn't exist who really drive it home that – the work I'm putting in is seeing is is and and the results I'm getting are earned and not a fluke. So that's something that I've been overcoming lately. And this past weekend, of you know grabbing a gold foil, um, you know top eighting and the, the next day on like no rest and just dr- just going in like that that was a good way to sort of quell some of those and make me feel better for Indianapolis and also makes me feel feel better about my broadcasting for the events that I'm mean, like you know what. I'm a good player. I can, I'm a good broadcaster. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna put on a good show. I think it's really important that you know you hit all of those. You talked about in your <clears throat> in your thing here that you're talking about like 
you know, you need to be able to like bring the game in for people who are a little more casual, right? You know, maybe not the top percentile of, you know, these people that are going to ProQuest and expecting to win, right? You know, like the top 1% of the game, the super competitive players, right? But there's a lot of people who tune into these broadcasts who, you know, they go to ProQuest, maybe they play, they have aspirations of being a pro player, but they might not be there yet, right? And that's a hard job to be the person in the booth who's calling high level play, but also bringing that kind of person in. And then when people who are maybe at that topper end, that uh, that higher end, you know, topper end, that higher end, you know, that have played a bunch, that have put a bunch of time into it, understand their matchups, they notice when you've put time in. Like they can tell when you've been, you know, putting in the work and you're you're talking about the matchup from that perspective as well. And they can appreciate that. And I know when I'm watching at home and I'm, I'm watching coverage of you or anybody else, you know, when it's of magic or flesh and blood, you can really tell when the casters are like doing a good job on both ends. And I can really appreciate that because there's still parts of the game that I'm very new with and I struggle with too in understanding, you know, and I need that, you know, I need my hand held through that, right? But if, you know, if you were having a match between, say, like one of the Triangle of Doom, as you like to call it, you know, one of the three big decks, like I understand those matchups at like a pretty high level now. So like when you're, you can dumb it down for some of the people. And I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory sense. It helps out a lot to the broadcast or it helps elevate it even more for the people who have a good understanding of it. Yeah, the way I kind of equate it is like, you need to be able in one in one swing to appeal to as many different demographics that are, are, are watching and consuming the game. So imagine, it, the way I imagine it is like, it's like going to a Bon Jovi concert and you know, you if you're the casual Bon Jovi fan, you wanna hear Living on a Prayer, but if you're if you've been to like 20 Bon Jovi concerts, you've heard it a lot enough times. So what do you do as Bon Jovi? You play Living on a Prayer with in a different key that's a little bit different so you're appealing to everybody and that's not an easy thing. You got to sort of have a little bit of an extra sort of take on it. I don't know why Bon Jovi always is my go-to. Yeah, I was wondering why the, you went with Bon Jovi, you know, but I was like, sure. Hey, Bon Jovi. Maybe it's Canadian bon thing. I don't know. You know um, like, Anyways, lo long story short is yeah, it is it is a a a, um, a skill that I try to refine to be able to appeal to as many um, people consuming the the games and the product and whatever as possible. And the best way that I can do that is to play as many games at as high a level as I can and to understand the intricacies of all these heroes. And what I've noticed about this game is that every hero is so different. It has so many layers. They play so so differently that you really have to put in the work. It's not just about understanding the rules and who's favored in a matchup. It's understanding about the, you know, the avenues of attack, the different angles to a, a win condition, et cetera, you know, and, and the evolving... Really important cards and plays, yeah. Precisely, precisely. Because a prism list versus a starvo list, you know, you you're, you have the lines of attack, but eventually things change and things mm -hmm. are different. And I've, I've played enough of these games to know when you need to pivot off of a strategy and, and whatnot. And I've seen the, the development of these heroes and how they've been played over time and it's it's fascinating to me because i absolutely freaking love this game so mm -hmm. every time i play more and more and discover more layers to it it's just it's it's equally as satisfying to me as it is for the casual player who goes in and watches a really really good match occur yeah, I, I love this game more and more. I find that I, f I fall in love with it more every time I play it. So I've been trying to like slow burn it. I'm like, I don't want to go crazy and just let it consume my life if I start playing all day, every day. 
But let's uh, we're good. everybody at home. I know you want to see him open the gold wallet. We're almost there. We're almost I there. We're almost there. One more thing. I kind of wanted to go back on one of the things you were talking about. We kind of glossed over this. I know you either want to talk about this for a minute. Maybe you know say a few names here of the people that really helped out because I know this was a this was a team effort. Um, your prep, your testing for this event. I'm going to say a few things just in case you're a little too humble here. Um, hard work pays off. It's one of my favorite sayings. It's really applicable today with, with what's happened. Everybody's seen us on social media today, but hard work pays off. And I know that, you know, I think the only person I've seen that's played more games than you is Dalen Mack recently. And that guy's just on another level. He's yeah, playing 20, 30 games a day. No one can keep up with Dalen Mack. But I saw the amount of time and effort that you put in. And then the questions as you were asking while you were playing, you know, you're not just like, Hey, someone, what's the right play here? You always want to know why. You were always asking for the deeper meaning behind it. Like, what's the reason we're playing these equipment here in this matchup and these equipment here in this matchup? Like, what is it? You know, like, what am I trying to do? Like, what's my purpose here? And you went, you know, you got super deep in Prism. You you understood that. You did really well with it. And then you switched to Bravo here, you know, star of the show uh, later in the season. And you put up even better results in of your already good results. What happened with all that? So... Yeah, I mean, as a my in in all honesty, my angle for asking those questions and preparing wasn't because I had in my mind a ProQuest win under uh you know in, in the spotlight. Like that was not the target. The target was legitimately to understand what the best players in the world were doing and the reason why. And um, what when I was you know when I practiced with. Um, with you know, with Dalen or or Brian Vasoko or Tarek or, or these players, and, you know Matt Folks as well, like all these really really high end like national champions, Pro Quest winners, like the best of the best. When I'm p- practicing and playing with these players, the reason I'm asking questions is because they see it and I don't, and I need to see it. Sometimes it's just easy. Like if they've navigated that room, they could walk through it in the dark. There's no problem. But I need them to turn the flashlight on and explain to me why. I'm taking a step to the left or a step to the right because there's a pitfall here or there's a, uh, you know, you could stub your toe there, but I don't see it. They know it. They've been there. They they know the, the you know, the, the they see the map in their mind. I don't. So asking questions is important because also there's always that, uh, what the way that I've explained it to some people at these ProQuests, because they always ask me questions and like, start, for instance, for Starvo, every, you know, there's a lot of complaints about Starvo just being a brain dead deck. It's not because if it was you, you yourself would just roll the dice and maybe get into a pro quest. If you played eight pro quests or six pro quests on Starvo, but you don't practice, if it truly was a game of rolling the dice, you'd think that at one point you'd get into the top eight. But why aren't you? It's because, and this is why I ask questions, and this is why I like it because there's those one percent edges that get you ahead of your opponent. And what Brian told me was, it's not about He's like, you know, any any idiot can can double fuse an oak and old and swing hammer. That's not how you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game when you have four blues and they're all lightning and you can make a good turn out of it. That's where you that's where you win the game. That's where you get the edge. And um, I would explain it to some of the players at the ProQuest. I said, listen, Starvo is like an F1 car. Anybody can get into it and slam the straightaways and go 300 miles an hour, no problem. But it, the the race is won in the turning and the cornering and making sure that you're taking the right lines in those small little intricate areas. But anybody can blast down the straightaway, no problem. When you're fusing the Okanolds and fusing the Crippling Crushes, sure, no problem. But how about when you're taking that first turn or you're taking that S-curve or whatever, the hairpins, like how are you handling those? That's where you win those games. And that's where I wanted to learn, where I would get the hand 
the hand would suck. And then I'm like, all right, let's make chicken salad out of chicken, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's do that. Let's grow a rose out of this pile of crap. Like, how do we do that? So that's where I was really putting in the work was when things were not straightforward because anybody can pitch blue go kadachi kadachi leg tap whatever but why is it that why is it not kadachi leg tap kadachi you know like these Mm -hmm. kinds of things so this is where i would want to really learn the intricacies from the blessed the best players the way to do that was just put in as many reps as possible with the best players that i can that i have access to you know that 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 are willing to take the time and and really the hard work paid off I, i mean I put in the work, but at the same time, so did the people that were practicing and teaching me. Like every hour that I spent, I had to spend it with somebody else. So I am always and forever indebted to those players who put the time in to help me. Absolutely. Now, I'm I'm done talking. I'm done hearing all the stories. I want to I want to see what we all came for here. I want I want the money shot. Let's you want uh, this, right? Yeah, let's and open up this bad just boy. Just so I said, it is still absolutely 100% sealed. Is there is there anything in particular you want? Oh, to go the Voltaire by a thousand. I mean, I know that there's yeah. a list that exists. I don't know exactly what all the options are, but Voltaire apparently that that's yeah. the quote unquote. Yeah, money it's on shot. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, uh, a Dawn Blade would be sweet. Like, you know, any weapon would feel cool. Snapdragons is nice, but... Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some we're going to feel maybe a little more disappointed, but at the end of the day, it's still a gold foil that you earned. You know, no one can take that away from you, so... All right, we ready for this? I'm ready. All right. I think everybody at home is really ready. I'm going to tear it by the microphone so you can all hear that crisp, nice, Everfest pack-opening seal of breaking. Here we go. Oh, baby. This is for our male viewers. <laughs> this kind of um, feels like I'm I'm announcing an Oscar winner. Yeah, uh, no, right. are we ready? It's like you gotta get the drum roll. Maybe <laughs> get the drum roll put in. I don't know which. I don't know which side. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so you're gonna see it. Here it comes. Because yeah, I've opened dun, one dun, of these. These are, these are fun. Whoop! Snappy! Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's, Let's go. go! Snapdragon Scalers Gold Sauce. Beautiful. All right. Sorry I think the headphone that's... listeners at home we probably just killed, but. Oh, boy. Let's All go! Right. I got some uh, gold foil snappies, baby. An absolutely gold, gorgeous. I almost said gorgeous. Gorgeous Go- gold foil. Gorgeous is like, we should make that a word. These are gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. gorgeous. Sounds like some, uh, some gold member stuff from back in the day. <laughs> Yeah. So there we go. This is probably the greatest achievement I've had in card games, and I'm very happy and very proud of it. But uh, there's still there's an Indianapolis calling, so who knows mm-hmm. what I win there? But honestly, mm-hmm. in reality, my greatest achievement in cards is being able to work with you, Ten and Grace. That's Aww. my biggest achievement. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see you this weekend for everybody who, uh, who's watching this. We're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, this weekend we'll both be in Indianapolis for the calling. Flake will be a competitor. Uh, unlike his normal role, he's 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 got the itch, you know. He's got the he's got the drive. He wants to win some more gold foils. I'll be back in the booth resuming my normal role where uh, where I belong. I think they actually. I don't know if you see that. You can't see it because the booth's only like waist up. I'm actually chained to the desk or whatever. They they only they only let me go a certain amount of space. Away they fi- from they, the desk. they refill your water dish like every hour at least. <laughs> I right? have an actual dish and a little bowl with some food in it, but. Uh, Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but we'll see all of y'all this weekend. Make sure that you watch the coverage. It'll be on SCG's website um, and on their Twitch as well. And as for in response, I'm Tanning Grace. Uh, That is Flake. We'll see y'all next time.